leave this room. We're grateful for Mrs. Cape and her instruction. We come now, Lord, before this passage. We ask that it would be revealed to us um, that you would unite these truths to our hearts and that faith would be active in such a way that we would honor you, glorify you, and be changed. Lord, in these moments, may your presence be palpable, understood, believed, relied upon, and transform us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was outside of uh, the Dover Castle in England. I guess that's a southeastern city in uh, England, and the city of Dover, the famous Dover Castle there. I see some people nodding their heads. They've seen that. Um, I, wherever I go, I always ask uh, people who work at these places, I'll say, what are some of the crazy stories you've heard uh, from tourists or people coming here? And um, So one man said, oh, you're an American. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, we have the Disney cruise ships that stop just down the you know, down the." down there, and uh, the Disney cruise passengers come their way uh, uh, up here, and one lady came running up in this bright pink outfit with Disney ears on on it, on her, and she said, I'm with Disney, and uh, I'm an American, and, uh, and he said, no kidding. <laughs> the Disney cruise ships... Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, as they leave port, they uh, they put on their horn, the great ship's horn. They have seven notes that are played. If you wish upon a star, ah, very good. Those seven notes are played uh, as uh, the ships uh, um, take off. There's two ships called the Disney Wonder and the Disney Magic. It's from a 1940s film, Pinocchio. It won an Oscar uh, for Best Song. Um, it makes no difference who you are. You can wish. In Pinocchio, that's the from the story of Pinocchio, the Disney version of it. If In Pinocchio, something magical happens. A wooden doll becomes a boy. And over that story is, is this song, If You Wish Upon a, a Star. It takes the song, is actually at the beginning of the, of the movie and at the end of the movie. Something lifeless can come to life. Isn't that what uh, man has always imagined? Just turn to a star. Just wish upon a star. And this magic is available to, to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, that's kind of a, I don't know, hallmark kind of idea. I grew up as a child, and Disney was a very important experience for me. That was the show to watch on a Sunday night. Some of you remember the Disney show on Sunday night, and I had to go to bed at the end of that Disney show when Tinkerbell came out. And do you remember what happens at the end of the show? Tinkerbell comes out, touches the sky, and it turns black. Terrible. Terrible. The end of the show. And I had to walk that long corridor back to my bedroom, my head down. 
and uh, had to go to sleep at bed, in bed at night in the darkness. I had wishes and I had Disney magic as a child, helping me to go to sleep at night in the dark. But then I grew older and I wondered if there was any real power in this magic. And I wonder if wishes could really make any difference in life. Uh, Today, I don't want to give you the impression uh, from this passage about Jesus on the mountain that we can just wish for hard things to go away or obstacles in our life and they will go away. I don't think that's really what the passage is saying. We'll explore this. But the power to make lifeless things come to life, boy, that is an attractive thing for us human beings. There is no greater story than that. And of course, in the mission of, of Jesus, he's doing exactly that. He's restoring our humanity. He's training his disciples for mission. It is not just believe in Jesus and get on with the rest of your life, whatever you're doing, and just sort of wait around And so your soul can go to heaven and you can play a harp somewhere in heaven. How many of you like harp music anyway? How many of you have ever tried to play a harp? You see, if it really was all about that, when you think about the Christian life, it was just believing, praying a prayer, so your soul can go to heaven at the end of your life, well, Jesus could have just hung out with the disciples among their nets and their fishing equipment and said, guys, you got 20 20 minutes? Well, they didn't talk that way. Let me just share with you the plan of salvation. And then, you know, they pray a prayer, however we want to see they come to come to faith. And then Jesus says, great, let's go on to Capernaum. Jesus is committed to remissioning, if there's such a word, to remission people. The kingdom of God is coming to earth. So that's the plan. And there's a new Israel being formed. Human beings are to flourish under the formation of this new Israel. To experience fullness and flourishing. Now, and among Christian uh, groups, uh, discipleship is... Sort of like, it's just kind of like for the Marines of the military world, you know, the ones who hit the beach, you know. In the church, there's always a discipleship group. There's three people, ruggedly, you know, they're the, they're the disciples. It's kind of a Christian buzzword. It doesn't mean that much, but we're trying in this series called Eight Attitudes to put some, some real content and flesh to that Christian buzzword. So today is the subject of faith, and I've sort of tussed tossed together in kind of a salad of words here. Uh, Faith, trust, belief. I'm sure there's great distinctions between these words. I'm just tossing them all together. Faith, trust, and belief. Jesus spoke with boldness. And at times his speech healed diseases. At times his speech cast out demons. And in this particular context here in, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 11, Jesus looks upon a fig tree in the little town of Bethany outside of Jerusalem, and this fig tree had not produced fruit, and so he curses it with his words. He says, may no one eat fruit from you again. 
It's really an odd thing, and we'll explore what that is. So Jesus' words are powerful, and the kingdom of God is advancing through Jesus' words, but now it will be the words of the disciples in prayer through which the kingdom will advance. So faith is going to have great, meaningful definition. So just by way of of an outline today, faith produces, if you want, I, I, I thought I would grab your attention a little bit and not give you all the answers in the outline. So if you've got a pencil and you want to write these down. Okay, so faith produces the evidence of a vital connection to God's will, purpose, and mission. And the evidence is boldness. The evidence is boldness, if you're filling in some blanks there. Belief, secondly, is an ever-growing, bold understanding of God's will, purpose, and mission. And then thirdly, prayer strengthened by faith is an experience of deep fatherly assurance that we too can enter into the doing of God's will. So we're going to talk about boldness a lot about boldness, understanding God's will and assurance. There's a dead fig tree outside of Jerusalem. It has withered down to its roots. But Jesus has also, in this time, also visited the the temple. He looks as he goes into Jerusalem, he looks at this fig tree, and here's the unique thing about fig trees. They produce fruit before they have leaves. So if you walked up to a tree full of leaves, you would expect to find fruit. And this is a a little pretentious tree. (laughs) It's boasting of fruit because it has, it's mature, it's well into the season of figs, right? It doesn't have any figs on it. And so Jesus is inspecting the the fig tree for fruit. In Mark 11, he also comes into the temple and he inspects the temple for fruit. Is there any life in the temple? Is the fig tree being cursed, a figurative sort of kind of a parable about the condition of Israel? And the answer is yes. Is there any fruit happening in the temple? Of course, we know that Jesus is the one who comes into the temple and he, he inspects it. Then he comes back the next day and he cleanses the temple by tossing over the tables and of the merchants The temple had become a place to sell merchandise. Pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem needed animals. And so the temple itself became a place of financial transactions. The pens of animals. So you had literally goats being kept in an area called the gate of the Gentiles, or the the court of the Gentiles. That's where animals were there overnight. It was a, this is where animals stayed. There was a temple tax that could only be paid in shekels. And so Roman currency wasn't allowed, and so there had to be, uh, in Spanish, casa de cambio. Not bad, huh? When you travel into Spanish-speaking countries, that's an important phrase to know. And so there's a casa de cambio right there in the temple. 
perhaps many of them. So instead of hearing people say prayers, you hear the sound of coins. And this is all happening in the court of of the Gentiles. And Jesus quotes Isaiah 56 and says, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And so Israel had disregarded their missional purpose. It was all about them, their money. They had missed out on the great goal of Israel. There was, there was to be a rather large section of the temple where seekers interested in Judaism, they're not converts to Judaism, but they're curious about it, they are to be able to see something of the temple activity. Not everything, but something of it. Perhaps a priest will come out and explain to them something of, of Israel's uh, hope The fig tree, Jesus says, may no one eat of you again. This was a symbolic action of Jesus. Why is God taking judicial action against the nation of Israel? Because they have turned, in the words of Jesus, God's house of prayer into a den of robbers. They are robbing the glory of God and taking the glory of the temple for their own purposes. They had robbed God of his purpose of mission to the world. And out of zeal for God's honor, that a new Israel will be formed, God, Jesus, forms this new Israel from his disciples. And they are being trained to have bold faith. So Peter notices this tree as they walk by it. Hey, wasn't this the tree that you you just spoke to this tree the other day? And it shriveled down right to its roots. Verse 20. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, isn't that amazing? He doesn't. Verse 20. Immediately he turns, the subject changes. Verse 20. Have faith in God. Through Jesus, there will be a vital, permanent, secure connection to God's will, purpose, and mission. Now, faith is a kind of a squishy word, isn't it? Faith. Is it like wishing? Is it like wishing on a star? Can you just cast your hope on anything? Have faith, brother, right? Sort of this squishy word. Something like the words of a fortune cookie. Sort of, who knows Who knows what's at play in the universe, you know? Amazing how that worked out. Maybe there really are lucky charms. Still today, the horoscope is very, very popular. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now suddenly we've moved away from the words of Jesus about the fig tree, And now we're moving to the words of the disciples. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for them. Now, that's a pretty disruptive thing to say. As many of you are looking, you're sort of like, it's kind of incredulous, isn't it? It's like, well, no one does that. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever had an interest in moving a mountain? 
unless you're an excavator here or a developer, have you ever had a woke up? Have you ever got up one morning and said, you know, I'd like to move a mountain today? Is that what he means? Of course, the answer is no. There has to be some form of hyperbole about something that appears to be difficult, impossible. Faith produces the evidence of a vital connection to God's will and purpose and mission. And this evidence is boldness. This evidence is boldness. Now, anyone who's praying for a mountain to be moved is a pretty bold prayer. Wouldn't you agree? And that's different than praying that someone's cold would get over their cold, right? So if you have someone who's actually praying... Or imagine this, that as someone's listening to you pray, they say, man, brother, you're praying like you're trying to move a mountain. You see, this is about boldness. Faith is boldness expressed in light of God's mission, taking over the central place of the heart. Faith is grasping the Father's heart toward his mission. And if for some reason moving a mountain, literally, is in the plan of God, listen to how I said that. If it's really in the plan of God, you can count that it's going to happen. So, Jesus illustrates and transitions from his words and illustrates the importance of our words in prayer by talking about the disciples' words in prayer. Unlike the dead temple life and the fruitless fig tree, their lives will yield bold faith and fruitfulness. This leads us then to to our second idea, that belief is an ever-growing, bold understanding of God's will. Belief is an ever-growing, bold understanding of God's will. Now, how on earth do we interpret this passage about moving mountains? Again, if you were just the only people who that would be literally applied to would be someone who would actually have an interest in that, would be a developer or an excavator. And of course, this hasn't been done in history literally, so we now understand that Jesus is talking about the prayer that is uttered under a chain of command. You in the military, you understand the will of your commanding officer. When you attend a meeting, you will listen carefully because you are going to represent that will, that plan, by your words to the people who are under you. You speak with boldness because you know the plan. Now, this example may break down because you may not like the command, (laughs) but you must represent it well. But in Jesus, our hearts have been won over to the plan. You see, what we're doing is when we pray bold prayers, the bold prayers represent the heart of someone who has been won over. The plan is deeply meaningful. I don't know how close you are to having seen someone come to faith. 
don't know how close that is in your in your in your calendar. Was it a year ago? Was it a few months ago? Have you seen someone come to faith? Have you seen that transition from what this individual was committed to, their passions, their values, and to see that transition? Have you seen that? If you've seen that, you will become a person who begins to pray differently. The will of God is now going to take on a much greater significance in the life of the disciples. Jesus is winning our hearts to the Father's plan and mission. This news is to flood our hearts. You hear good news not only for yourself, but you're also listening for others. As the good news of God's full acceptance in Christ becomes full in you, you cannot help but also, as the Spirit guides you, become part of mission. There is a fruitfulness to faith. Unlike the dead religion of Israel, your worship will be prayer centered on the will of God. Of course, we need help with this. What is the will of God? And how do we pray? Well, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the model prayer. We haven't got to our daily bread and our temptations. Those are very important. But the step one of the prayer is about God's kingdom coming. And often we start at the bottom of that prayer and we don't start at the top. The will of God was to inflame the new Israel, and it did. You can pray kingdom prayers without any doubt in your hearts and have confidence your Heavenly Father hears you. Quite frankly, folks, we need a crisis in our lives. We need a crisis that says, you know what, all that I've been pursuing in my life, all that I've been chasing down, all that I thought was important, I'm starting to see that, well, it really wasn't God's kingdom. And only this Holy Spirit can can change that heart and change the agenda of our lives. We simply do not have a bold understanding of God's mission. We just don't. Now this bold understanding of God's mission is throughout the New Testament. And this bold understanding is is the foundation of it is the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus in our hearts. And our hearts are to be moved with mountain-moving wonder. J.I. Packer describes this as revival. Revival is the near presence of God giving new power. This is a prayer of power. This is a bold prayer. This is a prayer for disciples who are going to look into the mouth of Rome that wants to devour them. 
Yeah, we got the fig tree. Now let's move on. Pray like those who can see God moving mountains. And it's meant to stop us in our tracks. We've never seen anything like that. The near presence of God, J.I. Packer says, giving new power to the gospel of sin and grace. Packer continues, It is the Holy Spirit sensitizing souls to divine realities. That's Jesus' discipleship plan. As I mentioned this before, the disciples view their worldview, their view of being Jewish, their view of Messiah, their view of the temple, their view of the coming kingdom. is all going to happen in Jerusalem. They had it all intact. They didn't need anybody to train them. It was all intact. And then they end up on a boat out on the Sea of Galilee with someone who can talk to waves. And things begin to change. And then in Mark 8, Jesus begins to say, now I'm going to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. And Peter openly opposes him. Peter has a crisis of his worldview. A crisis. And it's just not going to happen for us, folks. We're not going to pray bold kingdom prayers until we are completely changed in our view of what's important. The Holy Spirit sensitizing souls to divine realities. And so, this is Packer, and so generating deep level responses to God. I would say that the disciples moving out into the, into the world was a deep level response. All right, so belief is an ever-growing, bold understanding of God's will. Now, I want you to know... I still need a bold understanding of God's will. Uh, everyone here does. Please don't think that you need to be a finished, uh, you know, you finished your your sermon series and your discipleship program and you read that and now you have a bold. It's a daily quest. It's a daily desire. It's a daily struggle. These deep level responses to God are sporadic, episodic. But you have God's word and the Holy Spirit with you to continue to assure you that if you pursue the kingdom, you're on to the real good stuff. Bold understanding of God's will. And Jesus plows right ahead of you. And he, in the, in the language of Colossians 2.15, he has disarmed the powers and authorities of spiritual darkness, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we, why are not, are not our hearts astonished with desire for the mission of God? Why are our hearts not astonished or desiring that we could be part of the mission of God? Because the cross has lost its significance to us. It just isn't that big on the windshield of our lives. As Israel lost sight of God's redemptive purposes, allowing animals right into the temple and the whole, all the problems of the temple, as Israel lost sight of God's redemptive purposes, so we lose sight of the cross. Belief is an ever-growing understanding of God's will 
and his purpose and his mission. Now this leads us then to what prayer really is. Prayer, let's hear Jesus himself before I I say my thought here. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, verse 24, Whatever you pray in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now that, prayer, strengthened by faith, is to be an experience of deep fatherly assurance that we too can enter into the doing of God's will, purpose, and mission. If you pray and believe that you have it, it will be yours. Jesus <laughs> So it sounds like magic, doesn't it? And some people interpret this. The health, wealth, prosperity, the Jesus jackpot church. They, you know, they think about this and think, well, okay, I can just imagine a Mercedes and here we go, right? By the way, I've often said, if I'm going to embrace that heresy, it's, you know, that'll be the one I want. You know, of all the heresies out there, I'll take that one because it's got to work for the pastor first. Right? So I can pull in here with a high-end car. Just follow me. I'll lead you, I'll lead you in the promised land. Just please don't. You know. is, this gonna be on, is this on the internet? Okay. <laughs> believe that you have it. That's what Jesus says. While you're praying, believe that you have it. Think about that. Think about that. That while you're talking in your mind as you pray to God, Jesus says, with no, without any doubt, you can believe that you have it. Well, how is that? I mean, how is that? I thought the mountain passage was hard. This is really, this is as, as, as difficult. How's that going to work? Whatever you, whatever you ask in prayer. See, that's where, the, that's where, if you don't think about this carefully and guided by kingdom principles, you can kind of go spin off and get into the health wealth stuff. Now, here's the deal. Let me illustrate it with two daughters that we have. Marianne and I have been blessed with two daughters. And I I speak for a living, and I'm out of words to tell them how much I love them and how much their mother loves them. I'm just out of words. And so here's how I summarize my love for our daughters. You have everything of mine. That's how I say it. I said, everything of mine is yours. And that's true. The older I live, the less connected I am to my stuff. I probably wouldn't have said that when they were younger. (laughs) But everything I have is yours. And sometimes when they resist this idea because they're young adults and they want to prove that they can earn their own money and they can make their own way in life, sometimes when they don't let me buy them things or let me help them, sometimes I say to them, it's really irritating that you don't understand that everything I have is yours. Now that illustration might make me look good, and I don't mind. But my love is very flawed. But let me tell you something. If we understand the kingdom... And we understand that God is committed to the kingdom. And Jesus changes our heart to love the kingdom and to care for the kingdom and to embrace kingdom priorities. Guess what? You pray and you believe. And whatever you ask, it's yours. This means that you can approach your heavenly father with the things that are already upon his heart. So it's, it's the idea of, well, dad, can I have the car? Yeah. 
because my heart toward my daughters is unlimited in its love. It doesn't matter. See what I'm saying? I'm not. So it, there is a boldness in, there ought to be, in our children to ask of their father what they need, knowing their father's heart. Does that make sense? You should be able to approach your heavenly father with great boldness, knowing his will and his heart. I, too, can enter into the doing of God's will, purpose, and mission. Oh, Father, would you open up doors as we move into Macedonia and into Greece and into this city filled with idols, Athens. Open doors of hearts. Now, is is the God of the universe who brought his son to this world going to resist that prayer? The answer is no. You can... Pray that prayer and know that it is answered. I too can enter into the doing of God's will, purpose, and mission. And throughout this hard life and difficult life, I can be assured of my fatherly, of my father's presence. I can know his fatherly love and care for me throughout the whole experience. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the answer, he says, is no. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Parents, your children are not likely to ask you anything that's not already aligned with your family's values. As they are trained to know you and love you. And that's the same true for us, in, for us in prayer. So the disciples moved with this training, kingdom training. They moved with confidence and assurance that their Heavenly Father would answer their prayer. Faith is the opposite of self-sufficiency. It reflects an ever-growing assurance of God's will, purpose, and mission. Jesus is presently holding court in heaven, the ascended king who hears us and knows us. And now we are to be engaged by faith. 1 John 4, 18 says that perfect love casts out all fear. That's the process of Jesus' discipleship with his disciples. And they moved into the, to the known world there to bring God's mission Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your remarkable heart toward us. Your heart is a a movement of mercy and grace. We come, Lord, and we ask that you would make us followers who are engaged by faith. We accept difficult things in our life. We pause to ask you for guidance and direction. And, oh God, we pray that you would give us a heart for this kingdom. We ask that your kingdom will come, and we thank you for your faithfulness to us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.